Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, Merry Christmas. So glad you're with us, all of our campuses, all of you watching online. So glad that you're with us. You know, I remember growing up at Christmas time, uh, especially in my elementary years, it just felt like Christmas took forever to get here. I mean, each day as the presents would mount around the Christmas tree and uh, Christmas was a big deal at our house. Mom and dad went all out and I was an only child. So all them, all those presents were for me. So I was, could not wait. It just felt like every day was like dragging on and finally we would get there. Sometimes we opened them on Christmas Eve, sometimes Christmas Day, depended on whatever. I don't even know what it depended on. Um, but it was dragging, right? And I'm not, I'm not a good waiter. I don't know about you. I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting in traffic. That's not of God. I don't like waiting at a restaurant more than 10 minutes. More than 10 minutes, your food ain't worth it. Okay? That's, that's in, of God too. I don't like waiting in general. I don't think many of us do. But I want you to keep that word, waiting, in your mind. Okay? Just keep that in your mind. This Advent season, uh, we've been in a series called The Art of Christmas. And we, we've talked about... Uh, you don't have to fear, God brings peace. We, we've talked about the good news that's for everyone. We've talked about Mary and joy. She rejoiced in her heart, her soul, her spirit. We've talked about the wise men and seeking. And usually on Christmas Eve, I will, in fact, for many years, I don't know, I can't even tell you the last time I did not read the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. We've sung about it. We've read about it on the screens. Today, I'm going to change that up a little bit this Christmas Eve. We're going to read Luke 2, but I'm going to read further into the story, one that's rarely read out loud or at a Christmas Eve service. I don't think I've ever taught on this in my pastoring this church, but I want to go to Luke 2, verse 21, and let's start there. Eight days later, so Jesus was eight days old, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus a name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And I don't have any idea why they were amazed. I mean, Mary was visited by an angel. Joseph saw an angel in his dream. They had confirmation after confirmation, but this was just another time. They were just like, wow, this is really happening. 
They were amazed. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Speaking of the end of how Jesus would give and sacrifice his life. We don't know that much about Simeon. This is an interesting character in this Christmas story. Probably an older man, and we're not sure if he was a temple priest on staff. We're not sure if he was just a a great temple attender, but he loved God. He was devout and righteous. And somehow, someway, the Lord had revealed to him that you will not die until you see the promised Messiah. Now, this was a big deal. The promised Messiah from Genesis to Moses to the Psalms to the prophets, all pointing toward a time in which the Lord would send a Messiah to save. That was the the picture. That was the promise, the prophecy. And Simeon had waited all his life for this salvation. And I wonder if there were many times that maybe he just thought, well, maybe it's not gonna happen. You ever been there with God? You know, God rarely operates on our timetable. You ever prayed and wanted it right now and God is just like, no, not right now. And Simeon may have thought those things, but that day when Mary and Joseph brings baby Jesus into the temple to be dedicated, he knew that he knew that he knew that all that he had prayed for, all that he had anticipated, what he had waited for, there's that word again, what he had waited for all his life was now here. Some verses that I want to rehearse just one more time, verse 28 is where my message is is found. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. A few observations. The first is I have seen your salvation the baby Jesus would reconcile all of us to the Father. That Savior, the Messiah who would save, is now in his arms. And what he had waited for is now there. And and Jesus would, this this word salvation to many is um, not understood. Being saved is something like weird. Like what are you being saved from? Well, in Christianity and in understanding of the prophets of the old to Jesus, what that means is that the sin that had separated us from God would now be paid for. We would be saved from our sin. And no longer would we have to continue keeping the law, trying to make it right, putting forth our own efforts, but Jesus would become that effort. He would give grace. He would shed his blood for forgiveness of our sins. He would fulfill the requirements of the law, and he would pay the penalty 
of the sin for all of our lives. And Simeon has this baby in his arms and he goes, that's a big deal. This is a big deal. And he's looking at Mary and Joseph, you get it? And they're like, what? Right? They're, they're just shocked. Like, what is going on here? And he's like, this is huge. And in the picture of salvation that I think best describes what's going on is sin, any type of sin. Maybe it's our own bad decisions. Maybe it's our own just, we're going to do it our way, not God's way. That's called sin. Maybe it's somebody who sinned against you, made decisions that put you in a place where your life is in pieces. Maybe you've made decisions that put your life in pieces. Maybe it's just the nature of all of us, which is a sinful nature. But salvation, this picture that I continue to think about, is putting, spiritually speaking, putting back all those pieces that were broken in the garden and broken in our lives and our decisions. And spiritually speaking, we are whole. We're not broken anymore. We are whole before the Lord. We are forgiven, and that's because of Jesus. And when Simeon says, I've seen your salvation, that's what he meant. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is a gift. Jesus, I have seen your salvation. Second observation, huge. This is a salvation that was prepared for all people, not just Israel. And Simeon being a Jew, and maybe he was a priest, maybe he wasn't, but he knew the law and he was a righteous man, prophesies that this is not just a salvation that the, the, the nation of Israel has been waiting for, the people of God. This is a salvation for all people. I've heard this. All of my adult ministry, especially pastoring, lunches that I go to, conversations in lobbies. And somebody will some, some say something like this. My dad said this for years, by the way. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I, I don't think I have what it takes. I, I'm, not I'm not the religious kind. I'm not worthy. I'm too busy. I have my life to live. We want to live it on our terms and so on and so forth. Let me just say that no matter where you've been and no matter what you've done and how many times you've done it, this, this salvation that Jesus brings is for you and it's for me because none, there is none righteous, no, not one. So all of us needed this. And it's for everyone, no matter who you are. And Jesus, when you read the Gospels, Jesus hung out with people who needed him. He didn't hung out, hang out with people who thought they were all right, who thought, hey, I'm, I'm good, I don't need anything. The, the righteous who thought they were righteous. He came for the sick. He came for those who knew that they needed help. And who did he hang out with? He hung out with tax collectors that were despised because they were thieves. He hung out with fishermen that were rough and you know, kind of kind of the, the, the rough part of society in that day, the prostitutes, how many multiple prostitutes that came to Jesus and he changed their lives and then became followers, notorious sinners of all kinds. And in fact, the righteous people did not like that. 
but that's who Jesus came for. And maybe you're in that category where you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Well, you're right, and neither am I. Nobody in this room is. It's, this salvation is, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever, that's all of us, think of the worst sinner. They might be sitting next to you, so keep your eyes straight ahead. Maybe they're visiting from out of town and they're something else. Can I just tell you? Jesus came for them. And he came for you. And he came for me, everyone. Whosoever will. Whosoever believes. You don't have to have your life all put together. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a religious kind. You just need to believe in who Jesus is. I see your salvation. A salvation that was prepared for everyone. And then number three, Jesus is the light to reveal God to the nations. Now, that's a handful, but this really just means that Jesus is the representation of God. Colossians 1, Paul says it this way, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. If you've wondered or thought maybe God is this cosmic character who loves to pinpoint our sin and beat us over the head when we're wrong and teach us lessons, and let me just, let me just be honest with you. That's not, that's not who Jesus represented. Jesus didn't only hang out with notorious sinners and, and people that were really need, in need of help of their lives being put back together, just like you and me. But he would be the visible image of everything God is. And every miracle that you saw, every teaching, every word that came out of his mouth was God, the Father. And this salvation that Simeon held in his hands, this was a huge deal. Simeon was blown away. I have seen your salvation prepared for all people, and he will be a light to represent God to the nations. Perfect. The compassion, the grace, the mercy, the truth, the love. That's what Jesus showed, and that's who God is. Now, over the last 2,000 years, the church has done, I don't know what kind of grade I would give us, but the church has misrepresented God on several occasions. How many would agree? We have done things in the name of God that are embarrassing, that God had nothing to do with, but it is what it is, right? We're, and by the way, we're all imperfect, right? You know I'm imperfect? I know you think I'm perfect, and I'm close, but I'm kidding. In Christ, yes. Barely. <laughs> Kidding. See, we're, I, th I think that we have represented ourselves, the church, we've represented ourselves as this righteous judge over the world. And that's not what our job is. And as Christians, just individual Christians, the church is, has misrepresented God, and, and we as individual Christians have misrepresented God. You ever been around those people who are self-righteous? 
who thought they were better than everybody else. Maybe they're sitting next to you. They flew in and you keep your eyes straight ahead still. They're no fun to be around. They think they're better than everybody. They're righteous. They're more spiritual. They're, you know, whatever. I mean, there, there are people that you really don't want to be around. And they have misrepresented God. Let me, just, let me just say this. Get your eyes off of people and get them on Jesus. Because he is the visible image of the invisible God. Everything that you want to know about God is found in what Jesus did and what Jesus said. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. So, back to the word, waiting. Simeon, all his life, waited for this salvation, but now it's here. Israel, the nation, had waited and waited and waited and waited for the Messiah to come. And now he's here. Shepherds in the fields going, good news. This is crazy. Wise men from the east. Elizabeth marries a relative. Simeon, Anna. They're all there going, salvation is here. So we're no longer waiting, guys. There is nothing more that God is going to do to reconcile us to himself. Jesus has paid the price once and for all, and his sin covers past, present, and future. That's the good news of the gospel. So we're no longer waiting for God to do something. Now, you may be praying about something, and you're waiting for that, but you're not waiting for God to do anything more for us, spiritually speaking, to reconcile, to forgive us. Guess what? He's waiting on us to receive. And maybe you're here today and you've never received. Maybe you're a young person today. Mom and dad believe. Maybe they've represented him well. Maybe they haven't. But maybe you're here today and the Lord wants to get your attention. He wants, to, he wants to, you to know that he came for you. Not just us, which he did. He came for you. And he cares about your life and he cares about your direction and he has a purpose for your life. So God is waiting on us to receive or accept the invitation into his family. It's that simple. So whoever you are, watching online at another campus, maybe you're sitting here and you're, you've thought, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm just gonna wait until I can get my life together. Guys, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life because nobody's gonna be good enough and you'll never get it all right. Accept his invitation. He's waiting on you. Lord, your story is unbelievably written, painted on the canvas, not only of pages of scripture, but our hearts. And I pray for, I pray for my friends that do not know you I pray for my friends that do know you, but living culturally as a Christian as opposed to a follower of Jesus. Would you rekindle, reignite that flame? 
And God, I thank you that the salvation that, that you represent, that you are the visible image of God, I pray that we would receive, that you would no longer have to wait on our response. Today is the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.